What's up, everybody? I'm back. Um, it is March 5th, so it's been a while since my last update or any kind of episode. Uh, I've been trying to transition over from Anchor to Pippa in terms of my podcast feed, uh, mainly because Pippa has better analytics and it allows me to keep track of who's listening to my shit better. But anyway, Yep, it took me a while to figure that out. Uh, I have a lot of raw idi- raw audio ah, from me uh, recording my podcast on Audacity, which is just a free audio recording software. Uh, I'm thinking about uploading that just to have some extra material because that was pretty frustrating. You kind of get to see what I was dealing with. It's just a couple minutes long. But anyway, uh, I'm going to get back into doing these net- this nanotech news as well. I realized that... I was kind of taking it too seriously or uh, putting too much effort into it, and that was stopping me from uploading episodes. So even though I do take the nanotech stuff seriously because I really enjoy it, uh, I shouldn't make these recordings, like, I shouldn't make the recordings so serious that it sounds like a lecture that I have to take many days to prepare for it. So I'm going to try one right now that's going to be a lot more laid back. So on this episode of Nanotech News, we have Holy Graphene Translates to Working Transistor. And so in this case, we covered graphene in the last Nanotech episode, where we talked about graphene, which is this two-dimensional material, so really, really flat, only one atom thick, the flattest you can make a material. So we have this innovative two-dimensional material called graphene, that was used as uh, used to build a saltwater filter in the first nanotech episode. So in this case, I'm doing another one about graphene, except now we have scientists who are trying to make graphenes with holes in them. So by holy graphene, I mean graphene that is full of holes, not graphene that comes from God. But anyway, uh, ideally you would think that you would want your graphene to be, I guess, in terms of purity. If you're talking about pure graphene, you're thinking of a, you want to think of a graphene sheet that has no defects, which means no holes, uh, because graphene is a really uh, pretty, or sorry, appealing material <laughs> because of its good electrical conductivity and because of its good mechanical strength. But uh, something that has holes in it. Uh, holes are usually seen as defects because we don't want them to be there. And so you would think that graphene that has these kind of defects or holes in them would be undesirable because they lower the mechanical strength and the electrical conductivity of graphene itself. And so I would say for the most part when someone is trying to achieve graphene in high yield and high purity, we don't want any kind of defects. So the kind of holes I'm talking about here with holy graphene is... Uh, purposefully introduced defects or graphene that's synthesized to have holes in it uh, in a very periodic pattern. So we're talking about a purposeful pattern of holes in the two-dimensional material graphene itself. And uh, previously, scientists would make a really, really clean sheet of graphene as pure as they could with no holes and then they would use an electron beam, for example, to carefully drill holes uh, with really good precision in graphene and try to make a regular pattern. 
And this is, of course, really hard because you not, you not only have to make a really, really pure sample of graphene, you then have to have really good precision precision, and using your electron beam to introduce holes in a regular pattern, which is actually really hard because one graphene is one atom thick. So um, you have to control the etching for that um, electron beam or ion beam or whatever you're using to etch. You have to control that etching really well because it doesn't take any time at all to etch one atom thickness. Uh, and then you have to try to get really, really small holes in, uh, in this case. And I haven't even told you why we want to put holes in graphene. So the first process I mentioned was scientists try to use an ion beam or electron beam to put holes in graphene. It needs to be really small and really regular, which is hard to do with that kind of beam. But you can also do what these new scientists did from the University of Santiago de Compostela. And this is a paper they published in Science in 2018 in which they make graphene, they synthesize graphene chemically. So instead of making a clean sheet of graphene and putting holes in it, they chemically synthesize nanopores graphene or graphene with nano-sized holes in it by combining um, some organic chemicals, so through a chemical reaction. And so their initial product is that holy graphene. Now the reason we want to have holy graphene is also in this paper that they published in Science in which they were able to use graphene and to, uh, they were able to make it into a working transistor or use this holy graphene uh, as part of a working transistor. And so the thing is, and you probably heard of a transistor, and, but if you don't know what it is, it's essentially being used as a, it's typically used as an electronic switch. So any kind of integrated, any kind of electronic that you have or that you use most likely has many, many, like countless transistors, anywhere from a few dozen to hundreds of thousands of transistors. And it's... It functions as an electronic switch that can turn a certain line of a circuit or a certain uh, electrical line on and off on, dem on demand. And so if you can put a bunch of switches everywhere, you can essentially make really, really complex logic by having more and more of these switches or transistors. So if you didn't get any of that, just know that transistors are really, really important for electronics. But the biggest... Uh, I have to say what the centerpiece of the transistor, the reason why it works is because it's based on a semiconductor, usually silicon, almost always silicon. And a semiconductor just means that it's a material that is that basically allows you to use this electronic switching method. So in order to have a transistor, in order to have some type of a, in order to build a transistor to turn something on and off on demand using voltage, you just need to, you need to have a semiconductor material. So transistors are based on silicon. Silicon is used for that because it's a semiconductor. Now, graphene by default in its purest form is not a semiconductor. It is actually a semi-metal. Uh, what that means, without getting into much gory detail, is that it cannot be used for a transistor because it cannot be switched off. Uh, semi-metals semi and metals and other good conductors cannot be electronically switched off the way a semiconductor like silicon can. And so graphene cannot be used as a transistor. 
However, if you're able to put a very regular pattern of holes in graphene, you can actually turn it into a semiconductor. And that is the point of this research that went into this. They not only found a way to more easily make nanoporous graphene, but they were able to demonstrate that this graphene that they made could be used in a working transistor. So essentially, I think one potential application of this, big potential application of this is of course replacing silicon transistors with graphene transistors or uh, using, maybe not in all cases, but in some cases, graphene transistors instead of uh, silicon transistors. And this is, ap this is really appealing, for example, if you want to miniaturize your circuit even further, uh, graphene is a two-dimensional material, it's one atom thick. And so it's going to come really in handy to use, to make a transistor out of a really flat material like graphene if you want to make your surface, or your, sorry, your circuit smaller. And so that's the appeal behind that. There are many other applications as well. For example, you can, you can have a graphene with holes in it. Just structurally speaking, you could use this as like a filter for certain gases. If you control your pore size really well, you can filter out certain molecules. Similar to my first nanotech episode with the salt water filter, except it will be implemented differently. So this nanopores graphene is, uh, it can be used electronic for electronic applications as well as like for structural uh, applications. Or it can be used electronically as in circuits, or you could be structurally as in filters and just like making pores to uh, control the size of molecules passing through it. So it's got a lot of interesting applications as well. Um, as far as challenges, and I admit I didn't look too much into the challenges because the thing is a paper or an article, they don't mention too much about their limitations. But my guess is there, even though there's a lot of potential applications, it's actually going to become really difficult to be able to implement graphene into working technology. Even something as simple as making really small transistors is going to prove difficult if you cannot get your graphene in the proper quality. And in this case, they're making nanopores graphene with better quality because it's a product of their, of their chemical reaction, so they just get straight to that nanopores graphene without any extra steps. Uh, however, to make a transistor to make a transistor or to make any other technology based on graphene, you of course have to build stuff on top of it or around it. The graphene doesn't function as a transistor by itself. You have to isolate the graphene from your reaction and then uh, transfer it to some substrate. And then during that case, since graphene is so thin, it can actually get extra defects in it really, really easily. So a lot of those defects are introduced whenever graphene is transferred from one place to another. But this is an issue with graphene in general, and all two-dimensional materials is, uh, have a similar issue. So um, it's not specific to what this research is doing, but it just presents a, another hurdle for the applications of this material that, that they're trying to reach. But anyway, that's all very interesting, and I just wanted to share that with you guys. That concludes Nanotech Episode 2. I hope I made that really clear. I'm going to look into the article and probably publish, sorry, ooh, uh, it's already published in science. I'm going to put the, uh, 
the authors and the title and the description in case indeed you want to go back and look at it some more. Uh, looking more into the work, go more into the gory de uh, details that I skipped over. Um, otherwise, I hope you guys enjoy that. I'm, I was considering not continuing these nanotech episodes because I was, I don't know, quite frankly, kind of scared that I wouldn't be, that my message wouldn't come across and that I was kind of being too technical or they're not being not technical enough. I guess it's a lot of paranoia. And also I kept putting a lot of time into it, trying to turn it into a lecture instead of remembering that I do this for fun. And so I'm going to continue doing it. This is the second episode. Expect the third one within the next week or so, week, week, week to week and a half, seven to ten days. Uh, I'm having really fun with this second episode, so I um, think it's great. Uh, eventually, maybe I'll try to get my brother or something in here and because uh, he knows nothing about nanotech. He's a music person, music and entertainment. So maybe try to have an episode where I explain this to someone else who has no idea what nanotech is and see how that goes. Just to make this a little bit more interesting every now and then. But anyway, that's all I got. I will see you guys next time. Uh, stay in touch. Stay in tune for any upcoming updates and nanotech episodes. See you.